Listen up. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the podcast participants and not to any participant's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. You know, for fun. So lighten up and enjoy. Oh, stomping Jen. Is Not it, a good sign. You're laughing at me there's immediately. Like, there's like a lot of red on the board tonight for some reason. A lot of red. That's either a good sign or a bad sign. I don't know what that sign. means. No, it's a good sign. It just means everything's muted right oh, now. Oh, okay. Except Got for it. me and you. All right. And on this podcast this week i'm not saying the number here is why stomping jen we don't know what order we're going to be putting we're doing a bunch of recordings so on this podcast we are going to be talking to melina bordeaux editor of the belchertown granby and amherst sentinel that's a local newspaper Mm -hmm. i have a lot of questions all right long list of questions. Great. Are you ready, Stumpin' Jen? Okay. On the other side of the intro music, we will meet Melina. So excited. And we will have our conversation. Great. Okay. Did you say you were ready? I'm 100% ready. Okay. Just checking. Yes. Soft Serve Podcast. Creamy, delicious ideas without the creepy truck. The creamiest, the most deliciousest ideas, Stomping Jen. Good evening. Hi. hi. How you doing? I'm all right. Let's say hi to our guest, Melina Bordeaux. Hi, Melina. Thank you for joining us. Let me take that down a bit. Yeah, we um, want to be able to hear her. Yeah, sorry. Say hi again for us. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I was really excited when Stomping Jen told me we were going to get a chance to speak to the editor of our local paper, mm-hmm. the Belchertown, Granby, and Amherst Sentinel. It seems like a very long title. It is. We're just going to call it the Sentinel from here on thank out. Thank you. Yeah. That's, that's what I call it. <laughs> yeah, the Sentinel. One thing I want to give you an opportunity to do in case I short shrifted you on my introduction is tell us a little bit more about yourself, who you are, what you do, and just we'll give you an opportunity to say what you'd like. Yeah. um, So uh, as mentioned, uh, my name is Melina Bordeaux. I am a reporter and editor for the Belchertown Sentinel and for the South Hadley Town Reminder. Um, Been working now for Charlie um, off and on. but in this particular role since March 13th, actually. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, just to give you an idea of how, how long it's been. Um, but previously I worked for them at the Wherever News and the Quaybog Current um, right when I got out of college in 2016 uh, for a couple years. And then I took a year gap working at the Greenfield Recorder up in Greenfield. Mm-hmm. So, and here we are. That's okay. crazy. Wait, you started March 13th? Yes. Yeah. That um, is, that was, that was my first day. Oh my God. Um, so literally like the first day of the stay at home order yeah. was my first day of, of the job. Yeah, I'm yeah. remembering that as that COVID-19 is, shutdown yeah, day. Yeah. That was, 
that date wow. is like emblazoned yeah. in my mind. What a first yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. And here you are. Uh, you survived. You survived. <laughs> here I am. <laughs> and you're still with the Sentinel. It's crazy. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank goodness. Yeah. And, it all worked out. Yeah. And thank you for, thank you for that um, um, explanation and, and CV. What I'm, what I'm hearing is you are coming to this with some experience um, in the, the journalism um, world. Yeah. Um, I've been, as we, we call it in the industry, uh, practicing journalism for about four years now. Um, but I, I started my freshman year of college. So I guess if you count working at the student newspaper college, technically four more years, but mm-hmm. um, professionally as a full-time gig um, for four. So it yeah. feels like a lot longer than that in some ways, but mm-hmm. just in 2020 alone. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah. And I descri- I describe the Sentinel as a local paper. Um, is that true? Like, it, can you? Is there anything else you want to say about it? Is there? Does it do something else? Is it serve a different function? That was just sort of my my description. Yeah, of it. Um, I I think that that's a really good way to put it. Um, you know, in, in journalism, it's it's we're a weekly. Um, I think that some folks would call us hyper local because um, we only cover three towns versus covering a county or a larger uh, swath of space. But mm-hmm. I still think that Belchertown, Granby, and Amherst are pretty big swaths of space sometimes. Yeah. Um, and it's weird because I've always found the grouping of those towns for the Sentinel a little odd. Yeah. How <laughs> Me so? too. Um, well, Belchertown and Granby sort of feel like they go together, but Amherst feels like a different <laughs> country sometimes. Does it look different in the different towns? Sorry, I'm taking over the interview. <laughs> no, no. Um, it's it's the same for it's the same for the Sentinel um, in Granby and Amherst. Uh, we do compete with the Amherst Bulletin, mm-hmm. but uh, we kind of compete with ourselves in Granby because some folks get the reminder, some folks get the Sentinel, uh-huh. um, and sometimes we'll we'll even scoop ourselves, so to speak. So the reminder will have more breaking news on Granby than the Sentinel does. Um, And it's one day difference. So depending on which one you get, you might get more up-to-date information on Friday's issue than in Thursday's. Interesting. So Hmm. uh, sorry to the folks at Granby, I guess. (laughs) But they're lucky. They have two papers. They do. And they can put them together on the counter and read them simultaneously, Stomping Jen. They can flip the pages. (laughs) Stomping Jack. Uh, yes. You don't like my idea. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Well, <laughs> that's to you not liking my idea. Now, Melina, does the yeah. does the Sentinel have a mission? Does a local paper like have a mission statement? Does it? What is? What do we think? What What is the goal of the 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 Sentinel? Um, that's a good question. Not at least uh, not in my f- official capacity. No one's told me that I have a mission statement. Um, my kind of guiding principles as its editor right now um, is to to cover the towns to the best of my ability. And I, I hate to sound kind of cliche with it, but um, my alma mater, Framingham State, they their class motto, the school's motto is uh, live to the truth. And I've always, you know, kind of, especially as a reporter, felt really empowered by that and saying, you know, that the truth is a really important thing and that local news coverage is so important. And I, 
I could get on a soapbox and kind of rant about local journalism um, because it's just, I'm really passionate about it. So it's, it's just, I think that to the best of my ability, in addition to covering select board and school committee, just trying to give folks an idea of what's going on in their own community mm-hmm. um, and the information that they need. Yeah. And as editor of the paper, um, you mentioned you're also, you also do some reporting, but what is your, mm-hmm. what is your primary kind of role as editor of a local paper? What do you do? <laughs> it's a good question. Uh, that was actually my first question because uh, when I got poached, so to speak, from my previous paper, um, I, I was a little bit reluctant, I'm not going to lie, because I, I didn't necessarily think that I would be an editor of two newspapers by 25, um, and that was a really daunting task. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to know the difference between being a reporter for 10 communities versus being an editor. And the biggest difference I've found is just the amount of stories that I have my eyes on. Um, So every single story that you see in the Sentinel, whether or not it has a byline on it, has seen my, has gone through the process of being read by me at least twice. um, Sometimes once if it's breaking news. Uh, And and that's really the biggest difference that I've found. I'm still reporting. Um, that was the biggest uh, catch that I had when I told my boss that I, I wasn't sure if I was ready to be an editor was I was really afraid I wouldn't be reporting on these mm. communities. And I really, really wanted to be still writing and reporting and being on the beat. And uh, luckily, I've been able to do that. I don't know if uh, if you folks have seen the Sentinel um, mm-hmm. as of late. The majority of the bylines on the pages are mine. Yes. <laughs> so I'm doing a lot more writing than editing as of late. But um, I think that that's the biggest difference that I've noticed. Um, we have a, a really interesting file system that we use at Turley that kind of looks like a giant tree root system. Um, and I've been now more involved in that root system than I was as a reporter. Um, but those are mostly the two biggest differences that I've seen aside from the title and a little bit more responsibility if mm-hmm. something goes wrong. Sure. What do you like about reporting and writing stories? It sounds like that's something you really wanted to keep going as part of um, taking the editor position. So I'm just curious what, it sounds yeah, like that's something um, that's really close to you. It is. It's, it's really near and dear to my heart. I, one of the things that I went to college for, um, aside from being a New York times bestselling author, uh, was I, I really, really wanted to read and write every single day. And I felt that that was really one of those, you know, you won't work a day in your life if you're happy kind of things was that I'd be content just reading and writing every day. And I feel like it's, that's my way of, of being, connected to the community is that I'm, I'm out, um, at the senior center, I'm doing the police logs every week. I'm going to all of the meetings and they're seeing either my face or, or my name on a zoom screen. Um, and I, that's the way that I maintain that connection. And I really, really like to not to sound, you know, like a parasite, but I want to embed myself in a community (laughs) and really dig my teeth into it and really know, the ins and outs. Uh, so that way, whenever breaking news does happen, I, I'm, you know, hopefully the first person to know. 
So it sounds like you're you're out there rubbing elbows with the community members. Like you said, you're going to these meetings, the senior centers, that sort of thing. Do you have other reporters who are helping you? Um, as of right now, uh, because of COVID, no. Uh, not at the Sentinel. But at the Town Reminder, I do have a staff writer who I share between uh, the Town Reminder and one other paper. We sort of divide his time between these two towns that pair really well together. Um, and his name is Dalton Zaberski. He's great. Um, I don't know what I would do without him because he, he helps write five stories for the town reminder every week. Mm -hmm. And I switch between the Sentinel and the reminder. So my deadline for the Sentinel is Monday. I put together the paper on Tuesday on Wednesday. I put together the town reminder on Thursday. I proof the town reminder and the Sentinel comes out Thursday and the town reminder comes out on Friday, and that's my week. Oh my wow. god! Well, I feel so, for, I feel fortunate that we were able to get any of your time <laughs> with a schedule <laughs> like that. How come sometimes we get the paper on Wednesday? Very rarely. Like this week, the paper came I, on I Wednesday. No, some people get it on Wednesdays. I guess. <laughs> so weird. Usually, we get it on Thursday, but for some reason, we got it on Wednesdays. So it so it sounds like um, being an editor for a newspaper is kind of being like a master planner. Mm -hmm. Right now I did professional. We've talked about this before on the podcast. I've done, I did professional writing for many, many years in the medical field and, Ooh. and our editors then were just people who would take the scalpel right. to your, to your writing and chop it up and tell you what mm -hmm. you did wrong. But it sounds like at least in the, in the newspaper world, there's kind of a, like I was saying, there's more of a planning um, strategy type of element mm -hmm. to this position. And, um, as somebody who um, is a reporter, um, was becoming an editor part of your career plan eventually? And you got there, it sounds like you got there really quickly, but was this always in yeah. the... In the <laughs> so this was, this was um, always I, in the book for you? Like this is something you wanted to do? I think that it was, you know, kind of a... One of those things that was an idea, you know, like maybe someday you know, when I, when I was older or felt like I had a little bit more experience because I, I think that, you know, luckily for, for folks who haven't really met me a lot in person, they don't really know how old I am, but I, I kind of have that like sort of imposter syndrome sometimes where I'm like, oh, you're, you're too young to be an editor. You know, this is a, you're just an imposter kind of thing. And then, um, and it kind of like hits me that it's real. I didn't expect it to happen as soon as it did, but uh, I mean, here, here I am. So mm -hmm. I guess I'm kind of as, I guess COVID kind of threw everything through a loop because I, I thought that I would have had a little bit more of an ability to ride the bike or, or ride the plane or what have you, but I'm kind of building it as I go. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> um, yeah, my one of the things that, that we do end up doing sadly is, uh, I, I do sometimes take the scalpel to some stories, even though, um, you know, I, I think that, it's, it's a lot harder to do with your own writing than it is to do with someone else's. I find it so yeah. much easier to go through another reporter's article and say, you know, let's, let's change this. Let's change the lead. Let's, let's scrap this, this word, or let's choose something else. Um, what our pullout quote would be on the page, things like that. Um, than it is for my own. I feel so much more emotionally attached. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I have a hard time killing my darlings. Yeah. It's interesting. I worked with this one editor for 10 years 
it was funny after a couple of years, we developed like a real kind of mind meld, uh, like a mental connection. Like I knew, okay, if I, if I say it this way, you know, she's gonna, she's gonna change it. Let's all save our time. And you know, like, so, um, that's awesome. Um, She trained you well. Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and at least in that context, you know, um, editors are very much the people who kind of help did help your writing shine. Mm -hmm. They were, they were really Mm -hmm. good, um, to have around. Um, one thing I wanted to ask about, so what kind of news and stories does the Sentinel focus on and what kind of news and stories does it report? Yeah. Um, I think that, well, uh, mostly right now it's, it's between, it's a lot of meeting coverage. Mm -hmm. Um, sadly there's, you know, I mean, even even thinking back to the Belchertown Fair, you know, normally yeah. that whole issue would have been a photo spread and, and coverage of that and, and all sorts of different things. And it would have been my first Belchertown Fair that I've ever gone to um, in addition to that. And uh, and that's that completely got scrapped. So mostly it's been meeting coverage as of late um, and kind of I think as as I've been I've been covering select board meetings for for a while now. Um, including back when I, I interned at the wherever news, uh, before I graduated and, you know, you can kind of get a feel for, you know, once you go to a few meetings, you know, what, what repetitive items are on there, what hot button issues, um, things along those lines that kind of, I think that the news tells itself in some ways that, that the, the thing that gets hashed out for 45 or 50 minutes between all of the select board members, I think that that typically leads um, but we cover we cover everything. I just wrote a story a couple of weeks ago about a little girl who lost her unicorn beanie baby at the town common, and a DPW found DPW employee found it, uh, took it around town, took pictures with it, and then returned it to her. And her family had a unicorn welcome home party. <laughs> That's awesome. With all of her other stuffed animals, which was just too cute not mm-hmm. to run. Let's give that worker a. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it yeah. was really, really great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they could have easily picked that thing up and thrown it in the trash. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah, that that is a great that was kind a of cute little thing. Heartwarming community story. That's mm-hmm. the kind of stuff we need right now. I think uh-huh, definitely. Um, for yeah. Sure. Um, so, thinking, I want to think about the role of a local paper like the Sentinel mm. in today's kind of broader media landscape, um, where we have information available to us all the time we can go on the internet you know we can go on to mass live and pull up the headlines um like why why and what why do we still need a sentinel and what role do you see that it continues to play in community life Mm, i i really i love that question um that's something i i think i grapple with having come from a daily background um at least at, at my previous position um, cause it's not at a weekly, you're not about, you're not about scooping people, right? You know, I'm not going to scoop mass live. I'm not going to scoop, uh, breaking news from the gazette. I, I know that it's not going to happen and that's okay. Um, but nine times out of 10, I know that my competitors, um, aren't going to be there for, you know, for every single select board meeting, for every single school committee meeting, for the, you know, Belchertown Cultural Council, for example, um, 
that they're they're not going to be there for the little things and that's the stuff that really counts because I know that folks really want to know what's going on in their own communities. I know that people care about the news that's going on um, on a county scale, on a national scale, uh, on a statewide scale. That's really important. I think that that's super important for people to be knowledgeable about issues from a micro and a macro level. Um, I, I just think that local papers can, can kind of have this niche that no one else can. Um, and where I have the ability to, you know, maybe I'll find out on Wednesday after deadline that there's some sort of breaking news or something happened. I now have six extra days to get follow-up, to get interviews, to get supplemental information, to really provide more context to that story than just the four or five or six paragraphs that might go up on a website somewhere. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's, I guess, the, the claim as to why the Sentinels should, should stick around. So, <laughs> yeah, I find it invaluable. What do you find invaluable about the, it? The Sentinel, um, because you cannot get any of that information. It, like it brings like so these meetings that she <laughs> keeps referring to are dry, and in some a lot of ways. People don't want to sit through that information. So the highlighting of the key pieces of takeaway from that, and it, it serves such a purpose if people would take the time to read it. So um, even before, though, I was um, on the select board, you know, we would read the paper. It comes weekly and we would read it like from, you know, front page to back page, you know, and a lot of people I know don't see the value in it and they just think it's trash and they throw it away. And then they are the first ones who complain when they mm, feel like they're mm -hmm. not getting the information. And it's like, <laughs> well, people, the information's there. It's being reported on. All you have to do is read it. It comes to your house. You don't have to pay for it. Yeah. And so one of the things, this, this may sound weird, um, Melina stomping Jen. One of the things I really like about it is kind of the tactile, um, physical um, nature of consuming the media. Like, mm -hmm. cause I don't get that so much anymore. Right. And like, I like getting it. I like sitting, laying it down on the countertop. I like right. opening it. Like I like flipping the pages and touching them and going to my favorite sections. Like right. that's still like an experiential thing for me that I actually, it's like, I look forward to it mm -hmm. and I derive like, I was going to say pleasure, but that sounds weird. I derive, <laughs> I derive satisfaction. You would look forward to it yeah, on no, a weekly I, basis. I do. Um, I do. I get all yeah. excited. I'm like, oh, it's Thursday. The paper's out. But <laughs> Except for the Wednesdays that we get. But I also grew up, I'm 46, Melina, so a little bit older <laughs> um, than you. Um, I grew up in a time, I think, where we got the paper every day. I was mm -hmm. a paper boy. We had mm -hmm. paper people delivering our newspapers. Mm -hmm. like, so that was very much part of like the, the fabric of my upbringing mm -hmm. was like the local news right. and, and reading it and going through it. And So w one of the things I'm wondering is, do you think um, people of – um, younger generations and myself appreciate like the physical aspect of a newspaper, like touching it, flipping through it, having a thing. I'm just curious if you have any insight into that. <laughs> um, it's, it's tough. I, I think that, that a lot of folks in my age group, um, technically a millennial 
I'm an mm-hmm. old or a young millennial or slash an old Gen Zer. I, I kind <laughs> of like fall into that weird middle area where I remember having to tell my siblings to get off the phone in order to get on the computer, but I, you know, I have Snapchat. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of weird because I know that, I mean, I have a, a different lens because anyone who gets around me long enough knows that Melina's going to get on her soapbox and talk about how important local journalism is at some <laughs> point, um, which I think my, my family and loved ones have a lot of patience with me for that reason. Uh, but I, I think that, and not to sound like a cranky old person, but I, I think a lot of people don't like the tactile part of it. Um, you know, for, for example, you know, here and here and where, um, you know, outside of, of seeing my byline, a lot of people wouldn't pick up the local newspaper. It's not delivered to their homes. Um, you know, it's, it's stocked in the local grocery store or at the liquor store or what have you. Um, but, you know, outside of maybe if something catches your eye or if you know that your kid's in it or something like that, um, a lot of folks either have a subscription or in some cases don't read the newspaper at all. Um, or don't care to, or uh, in some extreme situations, in in some places, um, actively don't like the newspaper, mm-hmm. um, and it's a uh, it's kind of across the board. I think for younger kids that they're not picking up newspapers and reading them, um, they're digesting their media in a totally different way. Yeah. Um, mostly, I think through social media, and that is you know where. I think, you know, it's so important to, to get both, you know, hybrid perhaps to appeal to younger audiences mm-hmm. and the folks who really enjoy flipping through the pages of a newspaper and opening it up to see the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I, I'm like wild, wildly gesturing with my hands. So I know that <laughs> no one can see that right now, um, the opening of the paper. But it's, uh, I think that it's, it's one of those things that I particularly like to do because I'm a really visual person. I mm-hmm. minored in photography in college and I did the layout of my own newspaper for school for our student newspaper for the latter part of my junior and senior year. And one of the things that I really love about having the full open paper in front of you or seeing the photo spreads or the how they lay out the front page, what they do with the gutter, you know, how they have the top stories in the photos. Um, it's just the way that that everything kind of draws your eyes in, how the photos look paired with the stories. Um, and I, I love all the visual parts of it too, but I think that you lose that from online elements, you know? Yeah, I agree. And I, I'm, I'm glad you said that as a fellow professional writer, I think one of the things sometimes people don't maybe understand is that writing can be a very visual exercise depending on the medium it can be about how the page feels to you visually i don't know quite how to explain it certainly it was that mm-hmm. way for my type of writing mm-hmm. which i would i would be writing to different types of medical diagrams and i would go in i would put in all of my level 1 headings i'd put in all of my picture placeholders before i wrote a single word and begin mm-hmm. to sculpt kind of the the feel of the chapter from a visual perspective before I even wrote a word. And um, I, I hope desperately that we don't lose um, the, the art of assembling physical newspapers, the art of putting together physical copy. Um, you know, I, I think I've said this many times before. I think we're like one EMP 
or social flare away from or or solar flare away from you know losing electronic communication right mm-hmm. like we need to be able to make newspapers mm-hmm. because someday we may not be able to distribute them um digitally i know we <laughs> i know we all like to assume that this this <laughs> moda- this modality of distribution electronically is going to continue forever but that's not guaranteed wasn't there a paper mm-hmm. that just stopped printing was it the gazette did they stop printing uh, uh they yeah they did um they they're now printing out of uh the same printer that we use actually for Charlie publications mm-hmm. um so they stopped their in-house printing oh, okay. yeah i think yeah. they're outsourcing it now it. yeah they're outsourcing it anyways mm-hmm. but I don't want to go on too long about this waxing poetic, but I think I think, <laughs> but I think what, I, but it will, but I think what Melina does and other right. newspapers do right. is like so important to our social structure. Actually, no, and, it totally is. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and I hope that people read the paper because there's so much information in it. And like one of the things I love, um, like one of the first sections I go to are the opinion and letters to the editor section. Mm. And, and I know um, it feels a lot to me, like kind of like an old school community forum, right? Like that's a, that's yeah. what, that's where we went to hear what people in the community were saying or thinking right? before we had Facebook groups, right? right? <laughs> Which are like the, we talked about this, was, was it last two weeks ago? Uh-huh. Yeah. Like they're like the, in my mind, the most incredibly toxic places on earth, but um, why do you think people still write to the paper? I, I like to think that, that it's because they believe that there's power in that, you know, there, that there is, you know, the word on the page has meaning. Um, at least that's, that's what I like to think is someone who's, who's written editorials, you know, that's, that's definitely, it's a way to kind of grab your microphone and, and let the, people know what you have to say. Um, I think that that's, it's a really powerful thing. Um, I, I really appreciate letters together and columns and editorials for that reason. Um, I think that they are powerful. Uh, so powerful in fact, that a lot of folks now, I, I think is, as time has gone on that I, I get calls and they're like, that article on this page is, you know, is, is really opinionated. It's biased. It's one-sided. And I'm like, what page is that again? They're like five page five. And I'm like, Oh, you mean the op-ed section? (laughs) (laughs) Those aren't articles. (laughs) Like, and they're like, they're that powerful that people think that they're genuinely articles, um, which I guess is a, is a a testament to them. And also uh, maybe a a fact that we need civics in in schools again. (laughs) How many, um, how many letters do you get a week? Um, do you get a lot, like more than you could publish? Uh, yeah, as of late, yes. As uh, as the election has inched closer, I think particularly in the last few weeks, I've seen a lot more. In the summers, not not as many. Um, I can, I I would say, I mean, I don't know if I could put a number on it. Maybe on average, like three two to three a week but it's it has been we've seen an uptick Mm -hmm. uh just because folks really want to get their opinions out there about their political candidates how do you and how do you decide how do you decide which of the letters you get you're going to publish so as much as i can i try to to see if you know if we have like an even distribution of you know 
to political candidates opposite sides of the aisle. Um, you know, sometimes it's just, I get what I get in one week. Um, and we run what we have cause that's it. Um, I have had a couple letters that I have opted not to run, um, only because folks are really getting, um, I think that there was some, you know, some, some attacks on folks or just really strong language mm-hmm. against a particular candidate. But, um, you know, it's one thing to write a letter of support. It's another thing to kind of bash the other person. Yeah. And just as a good rule of thumb, I've been erring on the side of caution just yeah. because I'd rather hold a letter and say to the person, hey, why don't we write a letter of support, just support. Yeah. Versus yeah. attacking the yeah. other candidate. I mean, you have to have some conduct policies. You can't. Yeah. 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 So do you reach, do you reach back out to those people who send in a letter and say, maybe frame it this way and we could run it? Yeah. I've, I've had a couple folks where I've, I've, you know, reached out and just said, Hey, here's what, here's what you could do or take out this line and we'll run it. Um, something along those lines. And you know, some people, some people send revised letters. Some people don't. Mm. Yeah. Um, what, um, what other parts of the paper do you think people really seem to respond to? Uh, my favorite is the opinion and letters <laughs> section, but I'm sure, I'm sure people like all different sorts. Are there ones that stand out in your mind? Um, I don't, I don't really know. That's the thing is that, you know, kind of, it's a, it's interesting. I feel like in some ways I, I feel like at times it in a more pessimistic view that the paper kind of exists in a vacuum and I don't really know, I don't really get feedback from folks, Mm -hmm. um, on what sections they particularly enjoy or what ones are the most read, you know, we don't have clicks. Uh, so it's kind of hard to get feedback in that sense. Um, but I, I'd like to think that, or at least from my knowledge, uh, previously, I know that the police logs are pretty popular. Everyone wants to read what's going on in the police logs. Um, and I'd, I'd like to think either maybe news next or the front page, I'd hope. Yeah. I like uh, the front that's, page. that's where the most of the information yeah. is. <laughs> I like to see what's on the front page. Like what makes it, what makes it above the fold? What makes it- yeah. Do you like to see that as a town official or do you like to see that yeah. just as a person? Yeah. Both. 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 I mean, before I was an elected official, I would always, you know, what gets chosen to be put on the front page is like whatever the editor is deeming the most important, right? And mm-hmm. then if it's above the fold, it's like really important, right? So yeah, that's, it, it also gives you a flavor of like who's putting the paper together and what type of yeah. stories that they're interested in. Is that still a concept you think about, Melina, is above oh, yeah. the fold? Yes, yes. Uh, that's, I mean, there are, you know, common phrases that we use in journalism that, you know, if it bleeds, it leads was another really well-liked one uh, at the daily in particular. And um, what's above the fold? You know, that's, mm-hmm. that was, that's your shining moment as a journalist, especially like I was so excited for the first story that I got above the fold. And um, because it, it is, it is the story that is important and what's deemed important by the editor. Um, and now I think about the ways that the paper will flow, what it will look like when it's folded in half versus when you open it up and the art that goes along with it. How, how big is that cover image? Um, and, and how much space does it take up? How does 
the first article next to that image look. Um, and, and some of that is myself working with our, our lovely graphics team um, down in Palmer. And some of that is, is the way that I arrange my budget every week. We kind of have a, a giant, giant list of all of the stories that are going into the paper. And I do that um, kind of on the fly on Monday night with a significant amount of adrenaline and caffeine in my system. <laughs> Uh, and, and you kind of think to yourself, I, I like the pressure of the deadline. That's, that's just me. I think mm-hmm. that a lot of journalists are like that, but when you kind of get that like really, really crushing pressure of the deadline, you're like, okay, if I had to, if I had to cut everything else in this newspaper, what would I run this week? And, and kind of thinking to yourself of that, that under the gun moment of, if I had to tell you one thing, uh, that happened in Beltrachan this week, what would it be? And then that's, that what, that's what leads. You mentioned um, you keep a list of all of the stories you're going to run for that week or are thinking about. Um, do you think a lot about ways to administratively improve the process of editing to make either your work with it more efficient or, um, you know, make it easier for you to focus on like the stories and stuff? I'm just kind of curious if you've thought yeah. about it from that end. That's definitely... Um you know, in, in some ways I, I try not to reinvent the wheel too much because, mm-hmm. um, my, my predecessors at the paper had, had a really good system of what they were doing. Um, and, and there are little things here and there that I kind of tweak or I have, you know, why would I erase the whole document and restart every week? If I know that there are certain things, the police logs, for example, are going to run every week. So yeah. why would I erase the whole list and then add that back in? Um, but I usually do, you know, we have the pages, um, so say for example, page one through 12. Um, and, and I know for a fact that we're going to have the front page, the news, and I kind of try to organize my brain in the way that the list is organized. And that makes it a lot easier because it's daunting to say to someone, you know, you have to fill an entire page or you have to fill an entire paper with, you know, say for example, 5,000 words, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's a lot. Um, but if you kind of break it down into those little itty bitty pieces, um, especially the repetitive things that I know for a fact are going to run every single week. Mm-hmm. And I usually try to make sure that if I'm rebuilding my list, I always include in there, you know, the police logs, um, the, the op-ed that I get every week, um, <laughs> things like that. Um, and, and then it just kind of build from there. And mostly it's, it's a lot of, um, keeping things in my brain that I probably should write down, but <laughs> Um, I'm getting better at the writing down part, but it's a lot of things that I, I kind of keep in my brain as like, okay, say for example, this week, we don't have a select board meeting on Monday because mm-hmm. it's a holiday, but, um, last meeting last week, <laughs> uh, the folks of the select board talked about a ton of different items. So I'm going to carry over one of those items that's still going to be fresh this week and just bump it to this week's paper. And I kind of did that strategically last week, knowing in mind that I would have had to work with the Monday holiday. Mm-hmm. So that's just kind of an example. Do you have a, a photographic memory for some elements of your work? Like, can you carry stuff like that, you know, for a, for a week and, and remember it well? Yeah. Um, surprisingly, I, I have, I think since March developed a little bit of a, a, I, I don't know if I would call it photographic, but a little bit of a mental list mm-hmm. that, that I can kind of keep track of at least 
I'd say 10 bullet points, you know, that I can, I'm saying, okay, you know, front page this week is going to be X, Y, and Z. Uh, news this week is going to be CDF, you know, what have you. And um, kind of going from there, which is, uh, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with my, <laughs> my skill because I didn't think I could do that. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. How is the, how has the Sentinel been impacted by the pandemic? <laughs> um, good question. Uh, so we, within my first week, uh, which was one of the hardest weeks, I think professionally, um, Monday I started, I went into the office and I was essentially told, you know, welcome, hello, goodbye, please leave, <laughs> uh, go home. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll talk soon. And, um, and then by Friday I was calling each of the freelancers that I had to let them know that we were no longer going to be using them, um, until further notice. And for the majority of these freelancers, that was our first interaction. Oh, God. Um, yeah. that's lovely. So that was really tough um, because I, I wanted to kind of set the tone and say, hello, um, this is who I am as a person um, and just remind them about how, how valuable freelancers are because they, they really are an invaluable resource to, especially to local papers and, and then tell them I'd be in touch um, at some point, question mark. Yeah. Um, and I haven't spoken to them since. Um, so that's, that was the major impact, um, and kind of absorbing what would have been, uh, three to four freelancers worth of work. Oh God. Um, and, and in some ways, you know, I, I mean, obviously folks have noticed the paper is a little bit thinner, Mm -hmm. um, to kind of accommodate for that. Um, I'd like to think that we're on the up and up. I know that my ad rep is busting her butt every week to sell ads. Um, yeah. you know, luckily that's, that's not on my end, but yeah, th- those are the majority of the ways. Yeah. And I've observed you all are, you know, you're running, I think articles that, you know, might be Im- important for people to see related to health and safety. Like I think last week's mm-hmm. uh, paper, I saw something in there about how to sanitize your car. Right. Like, yeah. you know, stuff like that, I think, um, is valuable to put out there into the community and for yeah. people to see, because it just might get somebody and might get somebody thinking and it might get somebody to take a step that, you know, could benefit the health of somebody else. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's really yeah. good that you all run those types of, um, I don't know if to call it a feature or a story, but, um, or something. I think that's great. Um, so this question is going to be a little harder, I think, um, given all that's going on nationally. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I, 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 you know, I had a feeling this was coming. <laughs> yeah, but I, but I really wanted to ask this because I think it's an important question: is what role you see a local paper like the Sentinel having in you know what feels like a really contentious um, national um, presidential election? Like, does it have a role? If it does, what do you see that role as? So um, this is definitely a question that I think a lot of us at Turley are really grappling with because, you know, like I mentioned, kind of that really uh, steamy letter to the editor, um, even even as, as much as, um, you know, folks wanted us to cover some of the rallies that have been happening, for example. Um, and, you know, one of the policies that I've been told at Turley is that we don't cover them, period. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to cover the elections locally, you know, who voted for who in Belchertown, who voted for what, um, you know, mm-hmm. questions, things like that. Um, but I, th- I think what Turley is here for, what these local papers are for is to just be kind of the cornerstone for the community. Mm-hmm. I think to have some sense of normacy that your town is still operating mm-hmm. the way that it has been. Um, and it will continue to after the national election. Um, I know that, and, and this is just speaking for me personally, n- not so much as, um, as the editor, but just kind of a person who exists in the world that there, there is, you know, there is that fear. I think that everyone is a little bit nervous about what's going to happen on November 4th, 5th and 6th. Um, and, and the fallout of, the next two to three weeks. Um, and I think that, you know, hopefully the paper will be a source for people to, you know, I know it will be for me to at least keep me preoccupied Mm -hmm. that, you know, there's, there's other news in the world other than the national election. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I love that. And I love the way you said that, like a cornerstone for normalcy, like your town is still going to be here. It's still going to be operating. And like whatever happens on the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, you know, the weeks after, like the, the town will still need to continue <laughs> to operate. Right. And, yeah. and I think, I actually think that like could be a reassuring thing for people mm-hmm. if that local paper shows up in your mailbox on the right. Thursday after the election and there's a report on what the select board did Monday night. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, yeah. hey, you know what? Maybe we're not going to plunge into a civil war. Like, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I really yeah. do. I, 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 no, I love, Sorry. I love that perspective on that. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not something I had, that had occurred to me, actually. I, I love that. Um, so Will does and has in the past the Sentinel um, endorsed a candidate for, um, the presidency or any other type of national office will it like do you... not to my knowledge okay. at least at least um from what i recall working for turley in 2016 i i don't believe so yeah. um nor do i plan on it i okay. just think that that's uh, i i feel like that that would just shoot myself in the foot in some ways um i i mean i do hold my own personal opinions uh, uh, obviously as mm-hmm. a person you know, in the world, as a person in the world. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and, and, and I think that that's to some extent, you know, a lot of, a lot, like a lot of the reason why I was a little bit nervous of saying even something about myself personally, um, to, to folks. Cause it, you know, once you find out certain things about someone's person, it's like, okay, so you're, uh, you know, and these are just like, kind of like stereotypes of like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. So you're a, a cisgender, straight, white guy, for example, you must be this, this, and this, right, you know? Right. Um, and if, you know, people find out certain things about even even me personally, it kind of feels like you know where I stand politically. And that's right. probably true Yeah. in some ways. Yeah. Okay, so, and, and I like, and, and if, if the Sentinel doesn't, I think that might, in a way, reinforce that. Um, we'll see. 
that reinforce it as that that place mm. to go where you can feel like maybe the world isn't falling apart around you because you can go get all that stuff everywhere else. Yeah. You know that. Yeah, Everybody you don't have to take that. long. Right. Yeah. Everybody knows that. Um, so here's, I was surprised when I was cracking open the last few issues of the Sentinel just going back through and looking at them to see that people still use the classifieds in a newspaper <laughs> <laughs> like that. We, there was like more than two pages of them in the last mm-hmm. paper. Do you have any thoughts about that? <laughs> um, one, of, one of my favorite stories about the classifieds actually is um, there was, I'm not going to name <laughs> who it was, uh, but there was someone who worked for Charlie during, uh, I want to say it was maybe like the nineties or eighties or something. Um, but, but staff at, at Turley had taken out a personal ad for them <laughs> and put it in the classifieds of the paper. Like so-and-so is looking for a date. And it's just, I, I love reading them. Even I, I do read that section as an editor. I can't change it. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's not in my purview, but I do enjoy just reading them because I think that it's, it is interesting. I'm like, oh, p- do people still look at job listings in the classifieds? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I hope that they do. Yeah. I really do. And if not, they're just, just as interesting to read as Craigslist. I, I admittedly am one of those people that goes on to the, the Craigslist, uh, like missing links or what have you, just to read what interesting things people have to write. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure somebody's written about this, but I find them fascinating. Um, one, one real quick example is, Mm -hmm. um, there was a, a, a serial killer in the Midwest known as the BTK killer. And he was communicating with the police for months on end secretly through the classifieds section of their local paper. And they were exchanging like classifieds back and forth. It's one of the ways they actually entrapped him and got Mm -hmm. him was by using it. it, Like it's fascinating. Like (laughs) that. And so I always like am looking through. Are you you looking for a communication in the classified? (laughs) Are you thinking someone's going to write to you? I'm going to out myself. Frank. I'm going to out Sawtooth as a weirdo, but yeah, I always am looking at them. Desperately like, seeking Susan. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but I'm always like with, I always look at them with half an eye towards this. There's something going on here. Mm-hmm. Like who would use the classified? So anyways, like you have to pay for a classified. No, I know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I know don't know about do. the, you know, the, are those, Greyhound adoption ones really what they seem, you know? <laughs> yeah, but they're anyway, so I just wanted to mention that. Um, and, and I was surprised to see people still use it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a Absolutely. great thing. Stop searching for your soulmate in the classified. <laughs> <laughs> Me? Yeah. I found my soulmate right here. I know. That's I don't know why you're searching in the classifies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone, Stomping Jen. All right. Um, are there volunteer opportunities at the Sentinel? Um, can people volunteer there, like intern? Can they do stuff like that to get experience with? Yeah, and in, in the past, I know that Trilly yeah. has had interns. Um, yeah. I, I am unclear. I've only ever had a high school intern that I I worked with um, when I was at the Wherever News. I don't know how it would work at the college level. Um, I mean, folks can volunteer to write stories if they want. Sadly, at this point, you know, full disclosure, we, we couldn't pay them. So it would certainly be a volunteer um, position. But there you go, I know that Trilly has taken on interns before. You can start writing some freelance. Oh, my God. My hands are full. No I, I have two, I have two <laughs> podcasts, a full-time job. Yeah. 
I would, but I don't think I like. He's talking to me like as if somebody offered him a job. You just did. You just offered me. You just offered me a um, job at Turley. An unpaid, an unpaid freelancing gig. Yep. All right. So we've mentioned Turley a few times, Um, Mm -hmm. Melina. Could you just talk a little bit um, about? what that is and um oh, yeah. and yeah, how, how they're no that's okay I just for people who might be wondering and like how they're connected to the sentinel and other local papers yeah so um Turley publications owns uh several newspapers the palmer journal the wherever news the belchertown sentinel um the oh goodness well, the town reminder. The town reminder. I can't think of the Aguam and Holyoke papers off the top of my head. They're going to be really mad at me about that one. Um, but you can the go. Barry Gazette. But you can go on the Turley Publications yeah. website and see the entire list of papers. Yes. And we'll link yes. that. We'll link that in our podcast. They show also notes. have a print shop mm-hmm. in Palmer, right? Mm-hmm. A print shop somewhere. Yeah. But yes, they have yeah. a print shop. Okay, so yeah. they're so they're like the parent um, publisher of all of these um, more local papers right yeah yeah yep okay um so one question i have to ask is we get this paper it shows up in our mailbox Mm -hmm. every week Mm -hmm. i don't think we pay for it do we we stomping jen pay for it so how can how can the sentinel and turley afford to do that like how how does this paper get to us (laughs) i'm Uh, really curious that's a good question um that I, I admittedly I don't know the answer to. I think that a large part of it is due to ad revenue. Do you um, know Stomping Jay? It's ad revenue. Avenue revenue. It's ad revenue. Okay. Ad yeah. revenue. Okay. So I'm just gonna guess and yeah. say that that's yeah. that's it. Ad revenue. Okay. It's not, I mean it's not cheap to put something in the paper. Yeah. Okay. I know from experience. Right. <laughs> yeah. Did you put something in the paper? Well, when I used to be on the cultural council and stuff. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So. What, what I want to say to people, if you want to keep getting that free paper and you enjoy it, look at those ads and yeah. uh, shop at those places and patronize those places that are advertising and tell them that you saw the ads in your local paper, right? And I know you don't deal with the ads directly because you guys have ad reps, mm-hmm. but there's been this ad that's been running in our paper for like a cannabis location, <laughs> but there's like no details. Like, where is it? I don't even know. It's like Wait, which one is it? The full page? Ad? It's like a ha- it's like a uh, it's like at the bottom. So it's like a quarter page, maybe or like a. Is it cure leaf? I don't know, but it's like your one stop cannabis, uh, you know, location. I'm, I feel no, like I saw it- that today. Actually, I was looking at it, and it caught my eye for one reason or uh, two reasons: um, how big it was and how colorful it was. Yeah, and but it doesn't give you. Any, like, it does. Wh- it's it in East Hampton. You- oh, it is. Well, I- yeah. Okay, I was gonna say there's two. There's one in Ware, and there's one in East Hampton. Uh, and the East Hampton is that's the one we've gotten the most uh, feedback about from the community because yeah. uh, folks have have said you know there's a physical picture of marijuana. Um, yeah, but it, in the it's ad, legal. <laughs> yeah, it it's is. Like, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean. So I that, just remember when it first started running and I was like, where is this place? Is it in Belchertown? Is it local? Like, it, yeah. Like what? Wh- yeah. East Hampton's far away. I mean, it's an interesting question, right? It's legal in the sense that it's, it, it's approved by the, by the state of Massachusetts, but right. it's still illegal federally. It's, yeah. Except it's not a national paper. That they're putting an ad in. I know. It's like a local. I know. 
I think there are very regulate. There's regulations in the uh, cannabis commission, so they must be operating within the confines yeah. of the cannabis commission regulations. I th- yeah, I think my my I think my larger point might be somebody might object to it because oh. they are they because they are... think it should not be permitted. Maybe because it's federally illegal yeah. still. I think but... there's a lot of gray area because it's mm-hmm. uh, illegal at the federal yeah. level. Yeah, I know. I worked with a nonprofit, and they they a, a cannabis shop wanted to give them a donation because they had a dual employee, so somebody who was like volunteering for the nonprofit, and so they wanted to support the nonprofit. And the nonprofit's like, "Can we take the money?" Like they didn't know how to take the money. Yeah, and they figured it out, but it was mm-hmm. just you know like they had to look for precedents because they just like because most of the time when you get donation from a nonprofit, you want to thank that. And it's sort of like, you know, it's, what do they call it? Underwriting on NPR, right? You know, so it's not, they get a little something out of donating. Hmm. I don't know where we just went down that little. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I I, I think it speaks to maybe some of the inherent complexities around um, Mm -hmm. advertising and donations and that sort of thing. It's not, you know, it might not be that straightforward. That's all. True. True story. Um. So, um, Melina, were there any questions that you were hoping we would ask you or anything you wanted to talk about as <laughs> editor a, of the, local the Sentinel that we didn't, um, that we didn't hit upon? No, I, I mean, I'm, I was, I'm kind of an open book with folks as much as, um, you know, I, I think that I go into interviews and folks kind of, well, especially because of COVID, cause I, I felt, I think that this probably happened when I met Jen for the first time was that I've been watching all of the meetings with all of the folks and, and I watch recorded meetings and I attend all of these zoom meetings and then I meet them in person and I'm like, Oh my God, it's you. You're the person <laughs> that I've, I've covered now for, for months and, and hi, and how are you? And they're like, Holy crap. Who is this girl, you know, approaching me with a steno and she's going to write down my words. And I don't know who you are from a hole in the wall. And, um, you know, I've, I've kind of had to, <laughs> had to take that down a notch, but, um, I, I think that I, I guess that I just want folks to know that I'm human. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, that's, I, I think that that's been a large part of, of the dilemma with journalism as of late. Mm. Um, you know, when I first started working professionally in 2016, you know, I, I thought that it was, you know, one of those things you're, you're learning to, to be a journalist, you're learning to be a professional, you just graduated, you're kind of getting your clips, so to speak. And then, the election happened in 2016 and for the next four years, um, I really did feel and have felt, you know, that there's just been this like trickle down to local journalists about like that there's this sense of animosity. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to repeat any of the names that I've been called. Um, but I've, I've had people feel so empowered enough to like come and speak to me or tell me, you know, how they're feeling about my paper or how they're feeling about the way that I wrote something or the feeling about, uh, I mean, X, Y, or Z, you name it. Yeah. Um, and like in, insulted, you know, your personal integrity. Mm. And um, I think I, you know, I, I speak for, for many people, many reporters, when I say that we are human, yeah. um, we make mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm new. Uh, this is my first year being editor of a newspaper of two newspapers. Um, I'm going to screw up. I'm, I'm completely human. I'm, I'm admitting when I don't know things. Um, but I think that that's also my, I, 
my benefit to this because I can go in with something with complete and open curiosity. Like I just moved into Belchertown yesterday and, and kind of bring that lens to yeah. it. So I try to think of it as, um, as a good thing, but I guess, uh, I, I, w- I was expecting a curveball or two about fake news maybe, but <laughs> yeah, no fake news. Yeah. No, you know, and I'll tell you why I didn't ask anything like that. Part of it is like, I am, I am absolutely exhausted by that whole, um, uh, rhetorical conversation going on, like more largely in the yeah. country. Mm-hmm. Like it's just stomping Jen knows it's like, I'm so ground down by yeah. that larger conversation. I think we and, all are. And part of the reason, and we can get into this, you know, when we, we talk a little bit later about the podcast mm-hmm. is part of the reason I do this and want to talk to, to people in our community, um, or we do this, mm-hmm. sorry, stomping it's Jen. Okay. I'm not um, here is because we can come down we can come down a level like and we can yeah. we can really focus on you know what's important in our day-to-day lives and like people can see like right. you know the editor of my local paper is a human being like right. you said they they really are somebody who is trying to benefit our community and has the best interests of our community in mind right. and is like trying to do a service right. for us like mm. i mean i have to say melina i know you're new new at this and that you've been you know said that a couple of times but you've done an amazing job and the people that I communicate with about and that are interested in reading the paper have also expressed that what a, what an increase in quality that it's been since you've taken over the paper so I've heard that firsthand so you have that <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm deeply flattered <laughs> yeah I mean it's like you know the level of like actual interest that you've taken into the community and like the reporting is it's just of a different caliber I feel like it's it's been I mean not not to mention I got some good quotes in the paper <laughs> <laughs> hey well you know if you just say quotable things I That's I right. you know I usually tell people I joke around um, with folks that I interview and they're like, you're not going to make me sound dumb, are you? And I say, no, I only do that for elected officials because they know better. I'll only <laughs> quote them verbatim because they should know better. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, people, you know, people do have that. I mean, it's kind of funny because I, I have social anxiety. Like I'm a really anxious human being um, just in general. Uh, I don't really need copious amounts of coffee to get up to a high energy level. Um, and it's funny because I'll go into an interview with, the senior center director or, or the town administrator. And I'm like shaking in my boots and being like, Oh God, like you do this interview every week, you know, calm down or, or breathe. Gosh, darn it. And, uh, and it's just kind of funny because I feel like people enter those interviews with me equally as nervous. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I just want to say, it's okay. I'm nervous too. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. we'll get through this together. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, I do in my professional world, I do, union work right and, and one of the spaces we have in union work is called a labor management table right and that's where the union reps and management um, come together and you're supposed to leave everything aside you leave title you leave status you leave, you know authority it all gets left behind and you come to this common place as people who are trying to solve problems Right. And, and that can be, I think, really helpful, a really helpful mindset in terms of um, 
overcoming what you were talking about earlier around this like imposter syndrome mm-hmm. type of thing like to to remind yourself mm-hmm. you know nobody is yeah. better than you you're no they're you're, just people we're all yeah. just people we're all just people like i remember yeah. when before i started getting involved with mm-hmm. all of this higher level stuff even like at the lowly when i joined the cultural council for example <laughs> and i was just a member of the cultural council and i remember feeling extremely intimidated by the select board yeah. and like the town administrator and like the department heads. And like, then like I came to realize in the work that I was doing when I got more involved in the cultural council, it's like, they're just people. You just get to know them and they, you know, and the best way to get anything done really is to meet them where they are and go and talk to them in person. I mean, when you can, you know, face to face (laughs) because they're just people. Yeah. Yeah. But I, but, but I have found, and when you were talking earlier about imposter syndrome, like as a 46 year old person Mm -hmm. with a, with like a shit ton of experience Mm -hmm. in the world, I still get it all the time. Mm -hmm. Like I get those doubts in my mind, Mm -hmm. you know, and I still talk to my therapist about it, Mm. (laughs) like, you know, um, about that. Yeah. So, I think you're doing great and thank, oh, you. thank you like thank you so much yeah. for what you're doing for our community and stepping into this under the conditions that you did. <laughs> so, yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, so a, a couple of other lighter questions I just have yeah. for you just so we can get to know you a little bit more as a sure. just as, as a person a human. as a human <laughs> as a person. Yeah. yeah, and these are these are Barbara Walters softballs. So, um, <laughs> so uh, I'll right. do I'll do it in her voice for you. Oh. All right. Um, what do you like to do for fun when you're not working? I don't know that that was Barbara. Walters. No, no. <laughs> that was like a Dracula kind of thing going. I can do it as Dracula. No, no. What do you like to do for fun? It, it fits in the Halloween theme. Um, so, well, as of as of late, uh, COVID has kind of curbed a lot of it, but um, in I guess a, a typical circumstance, I am a huge, I'm a huge movie buff, and I'm mm-hmm. a huge, huge fan of music. I love going to concerts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my my brother and I were just reminiscing the other day about a warp tour together. Ooh, I went to um, a warp tour too. I went with oh, you. I know. I went with my so good. Friend. Yeah, I I miss it, and um, and then as of late, since because of COVID, um, I've been doing a lot of hiking and photography, um, which is kind of also in a similar vein to this, the Sentinel, because I, I, you know, majored in photojournalism, well, journalism and photography minor photojournalism, mm-hmm. um, which is how the, that, I don't know if anyone saw the picture on the Sentinel of the fly fishers. I yeah. was taking a hike in the Quabbin and I just saw the scene and I was like, oh, I have to take this picture. It's a gorgeous picture. Each, you know, the fly fisher on each side of the river. It was so, it was just really beautiful. It was a great day for it. So, I mean, I've, I've taken pictures of birds that I've contemplated putting in the newspaper. I'm like, people don't want to see. <laughs> I think people do. No, people do, especially yeah. around here. Yeah. People love They eat that up. They yeah. love it. I like seeing that stuff. Bird pictures. Yeah. yeah. All of that. Might toss in a couple, but yeah. <laughs> okay. So, movies, concerts, outdoors type of stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, that's, a, that's a great, you know, icebreaker is is asking folks what their their favorite movie is so it's usually if i'm oh. trying to get folks warmed up i'm like oh like what what movies have you seen lately like, what, what is, are you watching what yeah. is your what favorite, is your favorite movie? movie oh well see that's that's the hard question i can't i don't know yeah. i don't know if i have a favorite but yeah. i i'm a big fan of i like christopher nolan's movies mm-hmm. um i just saw his most recent one. Oh, you did um 
Did you and see it, was, it in the theater? Did you go to the theater? I know. I, I admittedly, I did drive down to Connecticut with my brother. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we socially distanced, even though we're in the same household mm-hmm. <laughs> in the theater. We were the only ones there. Um, oh, wow. So it was, it was kind of cool mm-hmm. and eerie at the same time. Um, and it was, it was an interesting movie to watch a because of a pandemic and, and B because uh, the, the people in the movie were also wearing masks for different reasons. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to give anything away, but it was, it was really good. I want to watch it again. I, I kind of feel like that one was like that. a, yeah. you have to watch like it two, three times to, his to mo- actually get yeah. it. His movies, you have to watch a bunch. Yeah. Of them. yeah. We're, we're huge movie fans yeah, we're, too. We could talk movies. Oh, cool. We could do like a whole yeah. other podcast on movies. Yeah. Just on and movies. Music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we, we had to cancel what four concerts this summer yeah. because of COVID. Oh, so yeah. It's so I know. My, my brother brought me concert tickets for my birthday and then we ended up, we're maybe going to go in 2021 since yeah. they rescheduled the tour, but it was just, it was so heartbreaking. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. That's no, one of those... no, it's okay. What was it too? Uh, what concert did yeah, you, what concert was did it? you have to skip? Uh, do you, it's a uh, dance Gavin dance. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. We're old. Yeah, we're yeah, we're old. Yeah, our tickets that we had a that we maybe will go in twenty twenty one is Roger Waters. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh what else? Uh, T Swift. Yeah, T Swift. That guy T Swift. We still yeah. we held on to those tickets though. Yeah, so we're I keeping still have those. There you go. I love, I, love I don't Taylor. think I eventually she'll tour, you know, yeah. at some point again. Um I, Sturgill Simpson. Sturgill Simpson. We were gonna take the whole family to that yeah. one. And, and uh, uh, Green oh, River, the Green River Festival. Jenny but the Lewis. only ones that we cared about was Jenny Lewis. <laughs> Jenny Lewis is awesome. <laughs> well, and it's that, still worth it to go. I yeah. mean, yeah, yeah. All right, last question, and you can yeah. interpret this any way you want. And I'm going to play some um, spooky music. Um, you don't have to play the spooky music. Why? That makes it seem like she has to answer a spooky answer. Because I really want her. I really do want her to answer. Uh, the, in a, it's like a leading question. Yeah. You don't do that in journalism. Well, I try, but I tried to trick her by saying you can take right. this any way you want. Okay. Go All ahead. Right. Have you ever seen anything you can't explain? <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> I mean, I off record can't explain or um, um, just as a person, maybe hmm. an eight foot ape like creature in the woods or <laughs> a ghost or um, I guess that the, the closest that that I think of and I, I'm I, I guess to, to quote the office, I'm not a particularly stitious person. <laughs> um, <laughs> Or superstitious, but maybe a little stitious. Um, is that my so my grandmother, my mom's mom, passed away when I was five, and her and I were really, really close. She lived with us for a while, and um, she had like her whole bedroom downstairs in our, our dining room. And um, when she passed away, my mom got my sister and I uh, monarch butterflies, and so we we watched them from you know their little eggs to the caterpillars, chrysalis, the whole process. And the point of it was that we would release the butterflies at her grave. And so the day came where the butterflies hatched. It, they're beautiful monarch butterflies. And so, you know, we're, we're super excited. We're, we're going to go to the graveyard um, and release these butterflies, which is in hindsight a little bit of a weird thing to look forward to as a five-year-old. That I was like, yes, let's go to the cemetery. We're going to release the butterflies. <laughs> so um, I, was, I was taking the butterfly cage and, and kind of full sprinting to the car. And I, of course, tripped and fell. 
and dropped the cage. And one of the butterflies, which everyone told me was my butterfly, got out. And so my my other, my my brother and sister were saying, you know, our butterflies are safe, but yours, not so much. And so we went to the cemetery, we released the other two. And it was always one of those funny things that I just never thought of it until random moments in my life, there would just appear a monarch butterfly. Um, And the weirdest one was in 2011. I don't know if you folks remember the October storm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So the mass, it, oh, it was, you know, it was a really big deal. We, we missed a week of school here and where, and, um, that, that same summer I had broken my leg and it was, it crippled my soccer season. I was a senior that year. It was devastating emotionally. I had to like relearn how to walk at 18. And, um, my, my biggest goal that year, uh, no pun intended was to get back on the soccer field. Yeah. And so I'm going every single doctor's appointment. I'm like, can I get on the soccer field? Can I play in the game? Please, please, please. Doctor finally says, all right, you're cleared for 15 minutes. And I was over the moon. And I said, great, uh, I'll take it. The October storm hits, cancels all of the games that week. We had three games set up that week uh, for my senior year. Canceled senior night, canceled the the tournament clincher um, that we were going to play against, like, I don't know, Hopkins or Granby or something. And, and one other game. And so the MIA didn't reschedule any of them. They basically said that the soccer season was what it was. You know, they, they kind of picked some teams to face off against each other that were doing super well, but we weren't one yeah. of them. And, um, you know, it was really devastating. So after we finally get back to school, the, they were trying to figure out what they were going to do to honor the seniors. And so they finally decided that they would do a scrimmage. They were going to let us play under the lights on the field one more time against the JV team. And my sister happened to be on the JV team. So it was kind of a cute thing for me. And, uh, and so, you know, the doctor hadn't, you know, I hadn't seen him in a bit. I went back and I was like, Hey, can I, can I play? Can I play? Um, and he goes, "Mm, no more than the 15. You can start the game, hobble around on your little new leg for a bit and then Mm -hmm. GTFO. (laughs) And so I was like, I'll take it doc. That's great. So I, you know, cut to that night and it was really, really cold. Yeah. Uh, we were all frigid and we get out onto the field and I'm under the lights one last time. And it was just this like, you know, kind of like movie moment. And I kid you not. And I never thought it would have happened after the October storm, but I see a monarch butterfly. God damn. I was going to ask fly, you if there was a monarch butterfly in the story. Fly across the field. And I what? was like, you know, it, I, it was so improbable that that would would have happened after yeah. the October storm, and I just can't, I can't explain it. Um, but it did feel like in that moment she was there. I love um, it. I love it. Thank you for telling that story. Yeah. I kept. I was sitting there listening, going, "Please let there be a butterfly in this story." <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. That is awesome. Oh, the music's over. Thank God. How dare you? <laughs> I was like, "Are you gonna play spooky music after that?" <laughs> that was great. All right, Melina, thank you so much. (laughs) I enjoyed the heck out of this conversation. What about you, Stomping Jen? Of course. Just have to check in. (laughs) Thanks. um, Thanks for your time. Thank you for joining us. Um, And from what I understand, we'll be talking to you at some point about our podcast. So we'll, um, we'll have that conversation and then maybe people... 
You'll be able to read about us, Stump and Jen. In the paper. Yes. So exciting. All right, but for now, we're going to say goodbye. Yes. Right? Yes. All right, to our listeners, I have to say one thing. Wear a mask. That's what you say. (laughs) But what I say (laughs) is we love you. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, download, leave us a review, Share tell a friend, friend, tell a friend about this great work that I'm, I mean, we're doing Stomping Jen. Yes. Wear a mask. Wear a mask. Vote. 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 Okay. Vote. okay. All right. Without further ado, Stomping Jen. Yes. What do we say? Bye now. We say bye now. We love you and we will talk to you later. Bye now. becoming a community of dreadful fear and hate. Those who have freedom will understand also its heavy responsibility. That all who are insensitive to the needs of others will learn charity. And that the sources, scourges of poverty, disease, and ignorance will be made disappear from the earth. And that in the goodness of time, all peoples will come to live together in a peace guaranteed 